Warning. What you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. It's those little things that keep me from completely losing my mind. <laughs> the little things like the Denzel Washington movie? Yeah, just changing the the verbiage to little mm-hmm. funny gags like that. Because he was in the movie The Little Things? He was? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about... I literally... The only point of reference I have for Denzel Washington is virtuosity. Whenever someone was <laughs> like, did you see that Denzel Washington movie? And I'll pop up and be like, you mean virtuosity? <laughs> Where he battles Sid 6.0, the computer composite of however many goddamn criminals they cram into Russell Crowe back when he was skinny. So if you had... Do you have like a singular sandwich? Like a you're gonna pick one sandwich for the rest of your life, and that would be the sandwich you pick. That's a good question. And I bet if I like combed through the data, I bet a pattern would emerge, and there would be like we put it on a graph. There would be like a clear head and shoulders sort of winner. Mm -hmm. That would be like, oh, this is your signature sandwich. I can't think of one. So for me, I think, you know, you know, I have talked a lot about sandwiches in our lifetime in depthly. Uh, I think I would end up going with like a BLT just because it's like so simple, so satisfying, you know, simplicity perfected and none of that avocado crap. It's fine on there, but I don't need it. No other things, you know. Emphasis on tomatoes. Don't give me extra bacon. I think that's what I would go with. It is a very effective, efficient, sort of honed sandwich. It's pretty hard to argue with. I mean, there's other sandwiches that are like that are really good. Say like, say you have a tuna sandwich. You put some potato chips on there, some red onion, yeah. fresh lettuce. That's a real nice sandwich. But it's not necessarily an anytime sandwich, right? Like a BLT is good. Any time of year. Yeah, even any type to- of weather. Even when tomatoes are out of season. Any you know, type like, of climate. But it's still like, you know, obviously you want to use good tomatoes, but they taste good. If you have good tomatoes, if you're able to get a hold of them to out of season, they still taste good. A BLT still tastes good in the winter, whereas a cold tuna sandwich is not necessarily what I'm going to go to in the middle of December. I'm trying to think if there's any other. I love an Italian sub too much for like one sandwich for the rest of your life. Uh, I love uh, a Reuben one of the, one of the, I'm not a usually, I've told you this before, I'm not a big hot sandwich person, but I do love a Reuben, but it's a once in a time thing. Would you consider like a like open face bagel and lox? Would you consider that a sandwich? I know they call it a sandwich, but to me an open faced. It's not a sandwich. Yeah. You need that closure. Right. That contained, the containment is critical. <laughs> yeah. Well, like one of my like go-to snacks is I'll take like a piece of sourdough you know, a nice little piece of sourdough, toast it a little bit, put some butter or olive oil on it, put some sardines on there, some shaved onion, some little Calabrian chili or some sort of thing like that. And I call it sardines on toast. I don't call it a sardine sandwich. Yeah, it's it's toast or a crisp or a cracker or right. some variation of that. Like what, yeah, what, at what point? Now, if I you don't, take... We're about to get into this fucking... If you, is if you X take, a sandwich debate? 
if you take two crackers, like two Ritz crackers, right? And you take so you you'd say you take a a, Ritz, a singular Ritz cracker, a slice of cheese, a piece of salami. You eat that. That's just like cheese and crackers, right? What if you put a, another Ritz on top of that? Is it a sandwich? Yeah, definitely. A sandwich is by definition the construction model. It's architecture. Okay. It's how it's built. But but a cracker is not exactly bread, even though they use. The it doesn't same have to be bread. It to doesn't be have a to sandwich. be bread. Well, who said? Well, where are you getting that? Uh, that's just my belief. Okay, so if, say as I a, take as a modern man of the twenty first century. So say I take two slices of cantaloupe. Yeah. Put some peanut butter in there. That's a sandwich. Yeah, you got a fruit sando, buddy. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. You can't be two melon balls, though. It's got to be flat slices be flat. of melon. Yeah, if well, it's melon about, balls, then well, all of a sudden hold, you've hold, got a you've got a skewer, a kebab, or something. Hold on, because there's plenty of round breads that you use to make sandwiches. You know? Yeah, but they're not like spherical or anything like that, right? One side is flat. Okay, so you take you two melon balls, or... you cut the bottom off one of the melon balls. <laughs> oh, yeah, if it's a dome? Yeah, you got a, it's a sandwich, buddy. Okay, okay, I don't want to go any further with this. <laughs> yeah, I know I, I, know you I asked I, for this. I know I started it, but I'm This is what it. you wanted. Anyways, uh, nobody asked me, but uh, I love a good fish witch. Yeah. And Ooh, not that's even, a good. Not even like a filet or anything like that. I'm talking... Fish sticks? Yeah, stack up some fish sticks on some cheap white bread with some yeah. mayo and ketchup and uh-huh. some uh, lettuce and, yeah. uh, oh boy... You know what? Like, and that's your go-to forever. Like, you can have one sandwich. It's going to be that. That's what I was daydream while you were talking about all of your favorite sandwiches. That's what I was daydreaming about. Mm. So that might be it. That is definitely like a, and like a. I don't think I've had that like a fish stick sandwich in a very long time. But it's, it's a very like a, nostalgic childhood memory, and I it'll pop in my head. I'm like, oh, I should make that. I should make a fish stick sandwich, and then I don't. Yeah, that flavor. Of the mm-hmm. fish sticks kind of all stacked together. And then also just a little bit of warmed up mayonnaise. Yeah. Man. So for me, it was like when we had fish stick sandwiches, it was a hamburger bun. Oh. Fish sticks. And then tartar. Yeah. Whether it be like just like some cheap tartar squeeze bottle or like just chopping up a pickle and throwing it in some mayonnaise. Yeah. You know, with some Worcestershire. That was That was what was up. Well, you guys put a little bit of extra razzle dazzle on that. Yeah, so there we go. There's a, there you go, guys. Those are our Desert Island sandwiches. Thanks for listening to the show today, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, we've rebranded as a a food show. Actually, yeah, maybe we should do that. Maybe for I think we're kind of running out of movies. Yeah, just see what see where this takes us. Uh, yeah, this is the Trash Sheep Podcast, everybody. I'm Elliot, joined by Keith. Uh, this is the show where we take are giving discarded gems a second chance. Um, uh, you know, discarded movie gems a second chance. Going through the trash for movies, and out to prove that there are no garbage movies, just garbage opinions. And there are also garbage movies because we watched one. This is the Trash Heap podcast. This is the Trash Heap podcast. I said that twice. Do you know why? I don't know. I'm experiencing a weird sensation of deja vu. (laughs) 
Because we watched Deja Vu starring Denzel Washington, a movie that has nothing to do with Deja Vu. Yeah, other than, I think, maybe one moment at the end. Sort of. Post-climax. Okay, we're going to get to all that. But yeah, this was like when I was watching this, I was just like, why is this movie called Deja Vu? Why is this movie called Deja Vu? Well, that's it. You keep asking yourself that question, creating the Deja Vu. I have a lot of feelings about this movie, but based on a quick little dive into the backstory and also this sort of ending message card, but right before the credits, it is my theory that this movie was simply a way to pump some money into the economy of Louisiana post-Hurricane Katrina. Well, yeah, I know that they did hire a lot of, uh, you know, um, you know, they hired an all like crew from uh, uh, New Orleans and all that stuff. But this movie had gone into pre-production prior to that and was set to film in Louisiana. Then Katrina hit and they almost shut down production entirely and were like scrapped the movie. So it it did pre-exist prior well, to I that. I stand rate. corrected. Um, but there you go. But before we get into all the stuff about, uh, 2006's Deja Vu, directed by Tony Scott, uh, starring Denzel Washington, Jim Caviezel, uh, uh, Val Kilmer, and Adam Goldberg, uh, I want to ask you a question, you know. And um, that guy from the Mighty Ducks. Which one? The, he's the, in the Mighty Ducks, he plays the big kid that can is bad at hockey but he's big you know he's one Uh, of the bash brothers who is he in this uh he's one of the nerds in the command oh yeah with like the red hair yeah yeah okay so before we get into the the movie though you know 2003 is over this is our first show of 2000 2003 uh, is over that's correct 2023 (laughs) is over our first show of 2024 do you have like a like a very quick, not like in depth, but like a very quick like 2023 movie year in view? Like, do you have a favorite movie, top three, least favorite movie? Later now, the story of my, my year and every year is that I watch movies that did not come out in in that year. The year, yeah. I'm looking. Well, I'm already looking a, at the movies. I know you watched a few movies that came out in 2023. So. I did. I watched like the a new Scream. I watched Asteroid City. I yeah. watched Cobweb. Garbage. Yeah. Uh, VHS 85. Garbage. Uh, let's see. You told me you liked that. No, no. VHS 94. Did it also come out this year? It's the good. No, it did. Oh. Not. Let's see. Uh, the Iron Claw, uh, I liked to a degree, but I wouldn't put it on sort of a a pedestal. Blue Beetle, I liked fine enough, but it wasn't a mind blower. You know, you don't have to put it on a pedestal if you only, you know, you could say like, well, I didn't see very many movies, none of them were great, but this was the one I guess I liked the most. Or Barbie, Infinity Barbie. Pool, uh, The Flash, Renfield. Man, this was a fucking terrible year. <laughs> This was not a great year for movies. Guardians no. of the Galaxy 3, Evil Dead Rise, mm-hmm. uh, John Wick 4. I think my favorite... 
cocaine bear jesus christ your favorite dude. is cocaine bear no i did not like that <laughs> movie very much <laughs> my favorite movie that i wa- oh the hatchet wielding hitchhiker excellent my favorite movie that i watched this year was unequivocally uh jurassic world fallen kingdom but that's not from 2023 it's not but it's my favorite movie so that i watched this what's your year. favorite movie from 2023 i don't know that well, was... i mean like you don't have to be like you don't have to like get real serious be like oh this i guess was the most fun i had at the movies or uh probably guardians of the galaxy 3 really okay yeah which is kind of a funny thing to say but i haven't i didn't see that one i um, guess john wick was pretty good john wick was very good it wasn't the best John Wick movie, but it was very. I good. mean, if we're going by ratings, it actually might be Evil Dead Rise. There you go. That's what I, I was. Look, that's pretty, what I was asking. Pretty good. T- Why did I rank John Wick so low? I only gave it three and a half stars. I don't know. Like Maybe because it was just long. You were like, yeah. Also, that ending. It really bothered me that they didn't have uh, uh, Skarsgård fight to John Wick in any meaningful way. Mm. How about you? What do you what do you got there? Well, wait. What was your least favorite movie though? First, um, you mentioned like how eight things were garbage. So. It wasn't Cocaine Bear. It was Cobweb. It might have been Cobweb. I was. That's really funny because I haven't watched that yet. But that was a movie we were both kind of excited to see. Yeah, and it sucks. That's that's too bad. And it sucks to suck. For me, least favorite would definitely be either, uh, like I said, this is not a great year, um, but I really didn't like uh, Renfield. Oh, yeah, that was pretty rough. Really disliked that one, and I didn't like, uh, I really uh, hated Asteroid City. Oh, man. Which, you know, it's funny because it's like both of them have qualities that I like. It's fun seeing Nicolas Cage play Dracula, but he's only in like four minutes of the movie. And then Asteroid City is, you know, obviously Wes Anderson has that aesthetic he keeps going back to, but I think I thought it translated really well to the like the desert vibe, you know. Yeah. Kind of like the nineteen fifties. It was like a postcard town. come to life. Exactly. It was unbelievable. Uh, so I thought his aesthetic, which is getting pretty old did work really well in this movie but the movie was probably my least favorite movie of his that i've seen and i'm not a huge fan of his by any means i think that's fair here's Um, something i'm just realizing uh i saw talk to me in the theater this movie is listed as coming out in 2022 meanwhile i watched it in august of 2023 that's probably because it premiered at sundance film festival right so now that that doesn't count no the data is skewed now right it premiered in, at Sundance Film Festival, which is a festival that you take movies to. Uh, right, to shop to them around. Shop them around so that they can get released. Yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah, went there. A24 bought the distribution rights, distributed the movie in 2023. That's the year the movie came out. Of mm. course, there's people who see the movie before the movie comes out. You know? It's like, does the movie come out the first time the editor watches the final cut you know but it's funny you bring that up because if i was going to talk about my favorite movies my three favorite movies um this year all kind of different except that two of them have fantastical elements in them one would be talk to me the other would be uh the holdovers 
There's nothing, you know, spooky or fantastical about that. And the third would be Godzilla minus one. All movies that squeaked in just before the end of the year. Well, no, Talk to Me came out uh, in like June. Well, uh, but the holdovers and Godzilla minus one. We're at th- yes, very much at the end of the year. Yeah. I guess holdovers came out in November, but I didn't see it till like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Two, three weeks ago. And then Godzilla came out in like the first week of December, and I saw it opening weekend. I also saw The Boy and the Heron. Oh, yeah. Um, which I would not say is my favorite Miyazaki movie. A children's it, cartoon. It's not really, this one's not really, you know, like everyone goes like, oh, it's animated, it's kids, you know, No, it's stuff. not, not even remotely. Most of Miyazaki's stuff, I mean, he has definitely some like kid-focused movies, but like most of his stuff is like more adult-oriented. Even like Spirited Away, I would say is, you know, 50-50 in the middle, you know, can be enjoyed by kids, but it has some very adult themes and stuff going on. Yeah. And uh, like... Princess Mononoke, that's like a straight-up R-rated, you know, cartoon. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's actually rated R, but it certainly could be. Um, uh, Boy and the Heron, one of his most visual, visual, visually beautiful movies. Uh, it's interesting because it has a lot of similar themes to uh, Godzilla Minus One. Even though they're very different from each other, but they both have a lot to do with, like... Uh, Finding hope in like post-war Japan, Pan, like after the in, in the direct aftermath of World War II, um, stuff like that. So I, it would be an interesting double feature. So there you go. That would be my twenty in a short short twenty twenty three movie year in review. I saw some other movies too. That awesome. I could talk about. But yeah, those are my those are my highlights. All right, so. Well, we got Jurassic a, World Fallen Kingdom. Keep. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For all your now dinosaur we, action needs. Wait, did the other did the Jurassic World uh Dominion, was that what it's called? Yeah. Is that did that come out this year or was that last no, year? No, that's last year. Okay. And it sucked. Okay. So now we're gonna talk about another movie that sucks, which is Deja Vu. This movie I have no recollection of it no no no, not even like not even a sense of deja vu when you watch the trailer well that's i i love the trailer yeah i think the trailer was a hilarious and fun gimmick and that's what roped me how they just keep repeating it you know like yeah deja vu a feeling of counter your four deja vu yeah they keep looping they're like here we're gonna we're gonna fuck with you a little bit it's a psychological experiment that's that's great i love a a gimmick and that's yeah. what I was ready for that. I was like, okay, give me like a wacky gimmick movie. Like I'm ready to have some fun, turn off my brain for a little bit. But overall, like in the midst of watching this, I couldn't remember any scenes from moment to moment or like a really kind of like hone in on what was going on. I was very much feeling like I had a fuzzy memory of this movie and I was trying to recall enough to tell someone what it was about and i just yeah. could not like lock in there's only two kind of big scenes that really stuck with me and that's it everything else is just kind of a blur yeah i remember like this movie coming out and it being a yes. thing but also like being like not completely disinterested in it and not not caring uh it's funny because i texted you while i was watching this movie 
and I texted. I think I texted something that was like, "This movie is simultaneously dog shit and, and cool at the same time." Yeah. And then immediately after sending that text, I think I kind of regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> because there's okay so what's the basic premise of this movie keith denzel washington plays an atf agent that's the bureau of alcohol tobacco and firearms and he's investigating a ferry explosion and more specifically a seemingly a death or a murder that's tied into that explosion yeah like they think someone who's a, a victim of the explosion actually was murdered first and then yeah. put put in the explosion premises there's a s- suspecting foul play right well it's definite foul play <laughs> but just <laughs> how foul is the question yeah in the in the middle of the investigation uh denzel washington is recruited to a not even really a secret organization it's more of an accidental organization right that should be a lot more secret than it is. Yeah, they're sort of like bumbling around with yeah, it's pr- the discovery of time travel. <laughs> right, yeah. Because, well, this is what's crazy to me, right? So you have this, say you've never seen the trailer for this movie, right? And you start watching it. This is a very straightforward, like kind of like crime investigation movie. Yeah, police procedural an hour into the movie, they're like, so, like, after after Denzel's been working with this unit for about 20 minutes of the movie, he goes, hey, guys, something seems weird. It's like, yeah, we just figured out a way to look into the past. And I 100% think you could have crazy tonal shifts in movies, but you kind of have to set up for them and you have to not see it coming, but once it happens, it makes total sense. That is not this movie. And that's what you're, what you're talking about is one of the two scenes that I remember uh, with total clarity. And that's yeah. when Denzel, there he's with this group of people reviewing this quote-unquote surveillance footage. And he slams the brakes on the whole thing and is like, how the fuck can we see all this stuff? Right. And they're like, because, oh, it's a group of satellites and aggregating all the data and collating all the blah, 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 blah. And he's like, wait a second. It's basically reconstructing using like a, they say, tell him that it's using AI to like reconstruct a, like a, th- a three-dimensional environment from these multiple different cameras that they can move around in and stuff. But it takes so long to gather this information and build it that they have to, they, they have to wait four days to get to whatever, you know, they can see four days in the past that is constantly building. So if you want to see what happened tomorrow or yesterday, you have to wait three days to get, to catch back up to it because of how long it takes to build the environment essentially is what they tell him. And this technology is so new and befuddling that after three sort of very basic questions, they just break down. They're like, all right, Here's the truth. We discovered a way to look back into the past. Right. That they were, that like NASA was making new telescopes and, uh, or something like satellite telescopes, and they realized that they folded time in and on themselves. They do the fucking thing with the folding of the piece of paper. Yes. I yes. fucking love. We should find out how many movies have that scene and like 
put together a list because that is such a i always just jump for joy when they do that and sometimes they'll poke a pen through it right you know to be like it's a tunnel here's how you travel by poking the hole through it but uh they yeah they always fold the the piece of paper so my coworker was talking about that um how often they do that stuff and then for the rest of the day if they asked me a question about anything i'd be like oh well you see, like if it was obviously related to our work not to the space time continuum. I was like oh well so yeah you i'd start to pretending like i was actually answering the question and i would just take a piece of paper and stick a pencil through it <laughs> i just kept doing it over and over <laughs> and my coworker really likes uh carl sagan so i was like oh you know what uh they because since she asked me she was saying i don't know how the subject talking to me like what's the difference between like a dimension and a multiverse right and i was like oh well carl sagan actually has a really good uh video from like whatever his like the cosmos show um he explains it i'll send it to you which is true but then i went home and i edited a video of that where it stops in the middle and it cuts to me poking a, a pencil through a piece of paper uploaded it to youtube and sent that to her so she watched that for about six minutes until when he's about to give you the final answer, it just cuts to me. Jesus Christ. You <laughs> really like... committed to that bit. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. Oh, yeah. It was 100% worth it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they do this. Um, before we get to that point, though, this even when it's still just a normal, like, normal, like, police procedural, there's some pretty wacky stuff in it. I don't remember anything beyond Denzel just going to a bunch of different rooms and having different conversations. Right, and falling in love with a corpse. Yeah. And so, I wonder, like, specifically in that autopsy scene, I mean, it's not an autopsy yet, but they're, you know, he's working with the, the medical examiner. He flips on the black light. Right, and it does the crazy like this looks good. Like this is shot by you know Tony Scott and uh, and crew, and Tony Scott movies always look good despite some of the uh, needlessly stylized, like the fact that the camera won't stop moving, editing, no and yeah, yeah, wiggling, and yeah, some of that stuff. But the the exposure on all of this is so good that when he flips on the black light, you see all this important black light stuff and then his shirt turns white, but then his eyes sort of invert and become like weird and ethereal. And they do the shot twice and it's mm -hmm. almost, and it linger, the camera lingers almost to have to signify like, Oh, there's some transcendental thing happening here. And like, they're connecting on a, like a, a interstellar type. Right. You know, love across the cosmos, like magic type nonsense. It's yeah. a, a wild couple of shots. Well, it's also that scene before that, right? So he's like examining the body of this, like the, this is the woman who they figure out is, uh, was at the site of the explosion, but killed before it. And he's clearly falling in love with her corpse. Um, and Primarily because she is good looking and dead. Those right. seem to be the two big his, reasons. His two things, right? And then, and then, like, there's some smuts on her face. Now, also, the medical examiner is smoking a cigarette. Yeah, contaminating the yeah. body. There, and there's some smuts on her face. And Denzel, and they're like, what is that? And Denzel, without any gloves, runs his finger across the smuts on her face, smells it, and then tastes it, and says, it's diesel. 
And at this scene, this is the point in the movie where I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to see what happens. Yeah. Because I was kind of like, this is pretty boring. This is not a lot going on. I don't really care about this movie. And then that happens, and I was like, all right. Well, I'll watch this. Um, but then, yeah, then a lot more of nothing happens. He goes and visits her her dad and tells him tells her that she's dead, and he's all like, he gives, then he her dad gives him some photos of her, of her and he says like you have to get justice for her she's a real person Denzel looks at the photos falls more in love with her you know uh, all of this and whatnot. finds out that his partner is also dead from the explosion or at least that's what they think they died on the ferry because he hasn't been able to get his partner on the phone for a while Val Kilmer recruits him they start investigating. Then they find out about the whole time travel thing. Now, I did think uh, the explanation that Val Kimmer, the way he describes how they've discovered time travel and how it works, was very simple and very good. To his credit, too, he performs the hell out of this material in yeah. a very grounded way. Like, yes. I've, I very much trust Val Kilmer and. He seems to be a like a reliable source on this, right? You mean you mean you trust Val Kilmer or you trust Val Kilmer's character? Uh, or whoever. Both. What is. if Val Kilmer was playing himself in this movie? I don't think it would make a difference, right? Unless he turned to the camera and said, "Hi, everyone. I'm Val Kilmer <laughs> from uh, you know TV's Willow or whatever he would say." But he said he explains it like he says, you know, Denzel's like has this moment where he's freaking out, being like, "How are you doing this? How are you time traveling?" Blah blah blah, and then, and uh, Val Kilmer says like he's like essentially everything we see happened in the past. It's like light reflected in a mirror. That's already happened nanoseconds ago. We're just looking a further back. Yeah, you know, and it's the same thing. Like if you were on a, if you had a telescope that could, you know, you if you were. 300 million light years away from Earth and had a telescope that could see Earth, you'd be seeing stuff that happened 300 million light years ago, not stuff that's happening. Right. It's not in real currently. time. Right. So it's like, I thought that that explanation worked really well. And that's the only explanation in the whole movie that works really well for anything. Aside from Denzel Washington's illustration of death, which is flawless in ex- execution. He is freaking out because obviously he's in love with this dead woman. Right. And he, he wants, wants to know to if know. she's alive or dead. Yeah, because he he's very watching on a screen this woman live her life and being a voyeur uh, from when she was alive, seeing her topless in the shower, obviously, yeah. was a very like critical turning point for him. But he could not control himself any longer because he sees the potential to, as an ATF agent, he sees the potential to save her and right. save her life and prevent this tragedy. And so he wants to know with, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, is this woman dead or alive? So, in order to kind of cut through all the theoretical physics and uh, all the math of it, he destroys a computer monitor with a chair and points to it and says, "See, that monitor dead." And then he asks, yeah, then he asks him again, "How about her? Is she alive yeah, is or that, is she dead?" Is that woman there alive? And they, and they say said, no. They say no. She's dead. You went to her funeral. We're just watching what happened in the past. We eventually, can't change anything. Eventually, they say that before he smashes the computer. Yeah, 
And after he smashes the computer, she goes, she's alive. There. Well, yeah, because now they're scared of him. Right. They don't want to get right. smashed. If we tell him she's dead, <laughs> if we tell him the truth again, he'll lose his freaking mind. Yeah, we don't mind. want him to keep smashing our time travel equipment. So this is where it gets pretty funny because he very easily convinces them to alter the space-time continuum. Where he's all like, well, can we send some something else besides light back in time? You know, to look at the light. Like, can we, uh, can we, can we send a note? You know, or wait, does he send the note? He be- sends a note to himself. Right. Is that before the car chase scene? Yes. Okay. Uh, the car chase scene is actually very cool, but we'll get to that. He sends a note back to himself through their like telescope thing. Because they have like what? They have this one telescope in their like little headquarters and that connects to all these other telescopes. And then that's how they're able to look at different times and different places and different parts of the world. Uh, but the, they're also constantly shorting out because of the amount of power they use or, what, or some other nonsense. Yes. So they send a note through the telescope back in time to his office, right? His partner reads the note and then goes to the ferry terminal where the bomb is planted in a car bomb. And he goes there like before the actual explosion when there's just like the uh, terrorist dude played by Jim Caviezel doing some pre-terrorist setup. And he intervenes and Jim Caviezel kills his partner. That's how his partner ends up being dead at the scene of the of the crime. But not, it doesn't click in their head that they alter time by sending this note back. Because after that, they're like, let's send some more stuff back. Yeah, they just keep sending random crap back from the future. Right. And then with no with no like they do it so willy nilly, like they're like and that's prior to them saying like, We don't know how this works, we discovered it by accident, we don't want to fuck with it too much. Because... That is a good excuse though for not knowing what happens next or not having to adhere to the rules. Agreed. I at least applaud that for if you're gonna have a bunch of bullshit happen. After that, at least like set it up and be like, we don't know what's going to happen. Your guess is, <coughs> guess is as good as mine. Yes. Thank Ex- you. <laughs> except, except that they don't ever do it out of immediate desperation, right? It's not like, if we don't try this now, we're going to lose our opportunity. That doesn't happen. They have plenty of time to discuss the note, right? And he, But Denzel convinces them to send a note back in time within like 30 seconds. Then what had transpires after that is... So they see the uh, his partner and the in the uh, and the terrorist get in like a little mini shootout. His partner gets killed, um, or uh, and then they have a car chase through time, which is kind of cool because they're trying to they're like, okay, we know who the terrorist is. We're just gonna follow him back to his house. We'll get his address. Like, they don't know who he is. They just have a face on him. Like, and then we'll be able to catch him now, you know, because we'll know where he is. But then their camera is short out. But they do also have, like, this, like, kind of, like, portable, like, head rig that they can put on. Where if you're wearing it, you'd be looking around and, like, oh, I'm in this room, but I'm seeing what happened four days ago. So Denzel grabs that and, like, speeds off to his last known location and is kind of, like, chasing him while wearing... The thing where he has one goggle on so he can see the past and one goggle off so he can see what's happening on the road. He looks like an extreme Ghostbuster. 
if he you does. remember that show. He's like oh, just yeah. has a bunch of crap glued to a vest and yeah. a helmet and boy howdy, they should have went a different direction with that cuz it does not fit in this movie at all. <laughs> well, no, because of the way they reveal the sci- the science fiction. This the re- the reveal of the science fiction probably should have happened like 30 minutes earlier than it does. Right? And they should have spent more time kind of working with it and Denzel understanding what's going on, him getting more invested in the past and like realizing that he could like maybe change it, etc. But it's no, it's just like there's time travel. Oh, okay. Boom, 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 boom. Right? Um, and they get to his like, they find his lair in the past and they see. And when they go there, there's a burn-up ambulance there, which is going to come back into play later, blah, blah, blah. What did you think of those scenes, like those action scenes? Do you think they worked or? Yeah, I thought the action was pretty good. Yeah. The explosion of the ferry at the beginning is very good. It looks very real. That is an amazing, not only is it an amazing, like breathtaking effect, but there's also some great, like they didn't need all the extra editing there's mm-hmm. like lots of tons of like bullshit that is unnecessary. You could have just had a couple angles of that explosion and it would have been fantastic. But there is some really great additional pieces of like bodies hitting the water. Right. That is uh really like sells it. Like that's yeah. a, a kind of an amazing moment. Oh, there's a guy flying through the sky on fire. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh that's a very good like stunt. Uh, some stunt work on that that yep. really works. Um, I don't know. Like, also the the entire climax on the ferry is is pretty awesome. I found myself kind of uh, I hate to use the phrase like edge of my seat thrill ride, but uh-huh. it was pretty good. It wasn't bad. I would not say I was edge of my seat. I would like honestly like the time travel car chase. I thought was a very like. Or it's like you're chasing someone. You're not actually chasing the person right now. You're just trying to chase them through time. It's kind of hard to actually to explain if you're not watching what's happening, right? Where I thought that was a really unique idea. And I that was the part where I was kind of like, that's when I texted you, actually. That it's like part, this movie is part dog shit, part cool. And then at pretty much after that, I'm back to square one. Except for the part where, so they... They catch the guy, right, they, in real in the present, and then Denzel's like, well, I could go back in time and stop him from either, ever doing it. And then Bruce Greenwood, who plays Val Kilmer's boss, is like, you guys have done enough. You've been sending notes back in time. We got the guy. We're not changing the past. Deal over. Well, because they then, have to prosecute him on some specific things. Right. So if you keep fucking with the time stream, like... All of a sudden, they can't prosecute him. Or... Well, I mean, not to imagine the uh, the unknown implications of time travel, and you could make the universe implode upon itself. Yeah, seemingly it has no effect. That's another annoying thing that we'll get to in a second. But uh, but so then, Denzel is dead set on going back in in time and uh, saving this corpse that he's in love with. But he doesn't really care about saving the life of his partner, even though they've established that him and his partner were very close, almost like brothers. You know? Yeah. And then he's like, but his partner's dead. He's like, whatever. His partner's dead, and Denzel's, like, in a roundabout way, responsible for it because his partner would have even gone to the place if he hadn't sent the note back. Right. Right. 
Not to say that, like, Denzel knew that was going to happen, but he doesn't even feel any guilt about that, right? And the flip side of that is because his partner goes back and they get in that little gunfight and, like, the the van that the terrorist was going to use as the car bomb gets messed up, he needs to get a new car. And that's why Claire, the corpse lady, even gets involved in the first place because he's going to steal her car and, like, he, you know, with her in it. And that's how she gets involved is because he needs the new car. So he, she wouldn't even be involved if Denzel didn't interfere with his note. Of course, it's one of those, it, it already happened, blah, 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 you can't change the past. Yet. Yeah, there are some fun reveals like that. You're like, oh, it was actually the reason all this stuff happened was because Denzel went back in time. Right. And he was the, the one the catalyst the of all stuff. this. Oh, yeah. You know, and he doesn't seem to really realize this at ever until like the very end of the movie, even though it's blatantly obvious. That yeah. He, um, so then Bruce Greenwood is like, no, don't, no more time travel. And then Denzel's like, or I'm sorry, Val Kilmer's like, all right, guys, we're not supposed to time travel. I got to go home. Uh, make sure you turn the lights off when you leave. Wink, wink. So then he leaves and then Denzel gets inside of the telescope uh, and gets sent back in time, which is one of the funniest looking scenes I've ever seen. Cause he's literally crawling inside of a telescope in his underwear. Yeah. And he's like, okay, send me back. I do like that when he goes back, he is sort of convulsing and then they tear open his chest and it just says revive me on it. Right. And they're like, huh? What is that? What does that yeah. Mean? Cause they kind of anticipated that it would be like a huge shock to a, to a system. Yeah. That's a fun little gag. And then he immediately steals. The a ambulance, man's, a comatose man's clothes. Yeah, and that's how the ambulance gets to the hideout. You know. Yes. Oh yeah, all... that's right. He steals the the ambulance too. Right. That that they discover the burn up ambulance. They discover later. Um, he he meets up with Claire, takes her back to her place. Doesn't explicitly explain that he's time traveling, but just knows stuff that he can't know. No, I love so, all of that stuff yeah. that like it builds up to her freaking out and being like, how do you know all this shit? I right. was afraid that someone was watching me and that I had a stalker and now I'm convinced right. it's you. I right. love the I love the misunderstandings that come with a time yes. travel movie. That's that half the fun. <laughs> but then Denzel's like in her apartment, which he's been to before investigating it as a crime scene, right? And when he's there investigating it, he finds all this like you know, bloody clothes and like, uh, burn up shit and stuff. And then he's like looking around it. He like, he's, cause he's just got in a gunfight, like with the terrorist, he's been shot in the arm or some bullshit. And he's taking off his clothes and like throwing them down and like washing up. And then he's looking around and he goes, wait a minute. This is the same stuff that I investigated, you know, a couple days ago in the present. And he goes like, Oh, I left the bloody clothes here still doesn't put together that he's the one causing all the problems. Yeah. And then this is where I get kind of pissed off in the movie is so the movie is established to us that you that he's not changing the past. He's just assuring that everything that was going to happen does happen, but then he does stop the terrorist ultimately at the end with no explanation as to how he was able to break the time loop, you know. Yeah. And that to me is very frustrating. How did you feel about it? Yeah, it was very I was waiting for him <coughs> to you know sort of get out of his precarious situation and reunite with his 
lady love, but he doesn't. He gets blown up underwater right underneath the ferry which is that was actually another very like nail biting scene when uh that yeah. the car gets blown into the water and then they're trying to get out i was legitimately apprehensive at all that especially when the the ferry runs over the truck and pushes it kind of further underwater and it's kind of stuck under the belly of the ferry i thought that was great that was a, yes that is a great scene in and of itself yeah but it has nothing to do with time travel how but, did they, uh, how, how do they get to they, there should have been a scene where they, they figure out how to trick time or something you know like how do we break the time loop right how do we because there is some line way earlier in the you know when he first finds out that time exists and they're kind of like you can't change time he goes like well, what if there's something spiritual about it you know and they're like you mean god and he goes yes and then that's just completely ignored for the rest of the movie was this the hand of God intervening and allowing him to change time because God has had a change of heart or something? Or I don't know. I didn't fully grasp the ending because... So time-traveling Denzel dies underneath the ferry. Right. Uh, he does not make it out. And then when the uh, the now-alive... Claire. Yes. Who should I, be dead. Maybe that's it, though. Maybe if there's a trade-off, you, you sort of prevent a paradox. Right, right so if Denzel dies and can't potentially run into himself, that's fine. And then if the girl who is originally dead is now alive, that's okay too. And so now <laughs> they can interact with each other. I'm okay with that if there's some sort of because what the what the movie's established is that everything that Denzel is doing is just assuring that what they were investigating is going to happen. Claire is involved because of Denzel. The ambulance is there because of Denzel, right? Uh, yeah, so where does it fork off? Right. If this was a more, like, less action-oriented time travel movie and a more, like, science fiction one, it'd be a movie where Denzel keeps going back in time over and over and over again trying to change it, but everything he does just completely... Yeah, it'd be time crimes. Right. Yeah, exactly. It'd be time crimes, you know? Uh, great movie. They don't fold the piece of paper in that one. Instead, he does a little drawing. Yeah. <laughs> they, really, they, drawing. Re- they really break the mold. That shot where he's just like pointing to the drawing is yeah. so awesome. <laughs> but, so, but, you know, they, they establish this, that he is assuring, he is, he is, he is a central component of the, of the structure of all these things happening because he's already, he's already done it, right? The way time travel has, you can't change the past because it's already happened if you've gone back in time, etc. Right. But then he does, he's able to alter the outcome and save the boat with no explanation of how he was able to trick time. Yeah. It just is taken for granted. And then the scene where, you know, so the Denzel from the future, or I guess from the present, who's gone back in time, dies. And then... Claire, who should be dead, is alive, sitting at the dock. A cop comes up to her and said, like, there's an ATF agent that needs to talk to you. And Denzel walks up. Right. And it's the same Denzel we see in, the like, the first scene showing up to investigate. That version of Denzel is going to live because he's never going to have to go back in time, time in the first place because the terrorist attack is prevented. I am fine with that aspect of it, of, of that Denzel being now secure and alive. Yeah. Right? And then... The closest thing to deja vu we get in the whole thing is when he's talking to her, he goes, have we met before? And she goes, yes. 
you know, and then it and freeze the, frames. Well, the deja vu that we experience is when she she does the explanation bit that he did earlier, where she's like, "Right, if you had to tell somebody something, you know, so unbelievable, uh, you know, that you knew they would never believe you, would you still do it or whatever?" Something like that. I don't know. It's a bunch of nonsense. It's just yeah. It's a brain dead who like well we started where we begin here we are ha whatever the fuck yeah. So I don't know. Ultimately, I was enormously entertained by two scenes in this movie. So on that note, uh, I have to give it a recommendation. <laughs> You know, it wasn't aggressively boring. This movie is over two hours long. If this movie was an hour and 30, an hour and 40, I probably would recommend it. But as we stand, I probably wouldn't. It is long. As soon as I started to really get, I was like, what are we doing here? And I clicked on to see what the the timestamp was at. And there was like 30 minutes left. And I was like, oh, crap. But luckily, that's when the action picked up and that big climax started. And after that, I was fine. I was kind of on board because the action was very good. But yeah, it did not need to be this long, especially when the the love story is so paper thin. And, uh, you know, they don't spend a ton of time talking about the, you know, the technology and doing too much with it. So right. I'm not really sure what it's like the first like big meaty chunk of the movie is so it's just the the normal investigation right well it's also one thing that drove me nuts it's like the romance in general drives me nuts but okay like denzel he's obviously is like some sort of pervert who's into corpses falls in love with a corpse yeah, he's a big weirdo that's for sure you know like gets gets obsessed with her he's like watching all these videos he's in love with her okay whatever why is she in love with him He's had multiple days to obsess over her dead body. Uh, she's known him for about 20 minutes. Uh, tr- usually it's trauma bonding. It's the reason that right. any, anyone in like life or death situations, they just become inexplicably linked. You know, he saved I, her I, life. I, sure. Uh, yeah. But they're in like in love. But also like people get weird when you can tell them everything about themselves right oh i know you look much better in this dress go get that one out of the closet right right which is that's still paper thin but that's the only explanation i can offer <laughs> yeah i mean that's obviously what they're going stupid. for but it's very stupid so i found this this was uh script writers terry rosso rossio and bill marsilli didn't feel tony scott captured what they wrote in the screenplay they felt he was more interested in the action scenes than the intricacies of time travel. They felt they wrote a plot that was airtight, but in Scott's hand, the finished product is now filled with plot holes. Oh. So maybe there was a bunch of stuff explaining how they're able to uh, uh, break the time time cycle and all this stuff. And then it goes on to say, though, Scott also admitted that he did a mediocre job directing the film, but blamed that on the 19-week production schedule, which wasn't as long as he wanted. Wow. Which, that's all fine. You know, I understand, like, a lot of times stuff that happens is sometimes out of the hands of the filmmakers. You know, not enough time and stuff. 
But then there's just certain lines in the movie. Well, if, that you're like, well, if this line was in any version of the movie, the movie's going to be bad. Yeah. If this idea exists within it, like if you had to cut out this other stuff, okay, whatever. But if you introduce this character, this this plot point, this, there's no salvaging your your film. No, no and I what I. I'd love for someone to maybe give me the bullet points on the screenplay. I don't want to read it, but uh, it would be interesting to know kind of uh, some of the extra details right? about what that really entailed. But otherwise, I don't know. I think uh, Tony Scott is a perfectly uh, capable filmmaker. He's made a lot of cool movies, and uh, I don't know. Sometimes things just don't work out. Yeah. You know, you know I think Tony Scott was... I don't ever think he was like a phenomenal filmmaker, you know. Uh, but I think in the first half of his career, he was much better. Yeah. Like he made some incredibly solid movies, uh, you know, in the 80s to the mid 90s. Yeah. You know, like uh, his first movie with Denzel, Crimson Tide, is a fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Fantastic thriller, right? But it's also a completely different kind of movie. Right. But then, like, around, like, he. I think kind of maybe like enemy of the state was kind of the turning point Yeah, where he starts getting into like hyper editing and techno thrillers. And yeah. All these like computer this. interfaces popping up and data scrolling across the screen and all that like satellite zooming in on the earth from space. Like, yeah. And then like at that point he just kind of loses it. Yeah. You know, right. You said, like you said like, yeah, he still might have like good lighting and technically good cinematography, you know, uh, set design, whatever, but then he just kind of like botches it all with this like tech gobbledygook and ridiculous like romantic subplots that don't make any sense, which happens in several of his movies. Yeah. After that uh, stage in time, you know, um, at least the ones I've seen. And for those who don't know, Tony Scott is the brother of Ridley Scott. Correct. That's very uh, influential and powerful filmmakers. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily mad that I watched this movie, but I would not recommend it ultimately. I think that's fair. It makes me curious about some more of the, like this was a, a totally blind pick, but it makes me curious about more of these like gimmick thrillers from right the, the first part of the two thousands. Like, Well, it's actually funny because like you sent me a li- you you wanted to do a bunch of these and you sent me a list of ones to pick from. And I, I was like, oh, I've never seen Deja Vu or Frequency. And there were some other ones I hadn't seen, but like these were the two that I was like, kind of like, oh, I should watch one of those. And they both have Jim Caviezel in them by coincidence. Yeah. Then I was looking over some of the other ones. He's in more of these. Because you also said the final cut. He's in that. Oh, weird. There, I think there was another one on the list that he was also randomly in. So you could do a whole Jim Caviezel. Uh, I will say Jim Caviezel as the villain in this made me think that he would have made a great Terminator. Oh, sure. Or a character maybe in uh, McGee's uh, Terminator Salvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was real stone cold, like unblinking, looked great. Like I I liked him a lot. Well, you know, we always think of him as like kind of like because now he's like all in the QAnon and stuff like that. And uh, that's kind of the attention he gets. But he's a pretty solid actor. Yeah, definitely. He was also the, uh, you know, he was Jesus. Yeah. Right? I never caught that one myself. but It's fine. I mean, like, there's a lot of, like, hubbub about it for, like, various different reasons. And if you just watch it just solely as a movie with all other stuff taken aside, it's a 
fine movie. Yeah. That's about, that's about all I got to say about it. Your frequency, though, looked really, like, too sentimental and corny. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I can get through this. I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why I was like, oh, I'm going to pick the two that look the most ridiculous to me. I, I think that we probably would have had a lot to, to say about frequency. Because yeah. it really is, like... <laughs> But it is sort of... Uh, Dad, almost... I'm talking to you in a time travel radio. Dad? Yeah, a ham dead. radio that connects to the past. And he's like, uh, we got to prevent a murder over I mean, the radio. Oddly, oddly, it's kind of the same plot of what well, of, of is this. Maybe we should do a double feature. Maybe our next movie is Frequency. Uh, I don't know. No. I don't know if I have the energy for that. Uh, maybe you we know should what? just Actually, do Time Cop instead. There we go. <laughs> you know what uh, You know what? Jim Caviezel movie I do want to see is he's in that new Sound of Freedom, I think it's called. Yeah. Which is, back to him being like in the QAnon, it's about a real-life former FBI or CIA agent who's also into QAnon, and it's him uh, talking about his exploits that are highly fictionalized, and I'll have to do about like how like everything is child trafficking, you know, like, like the whole Pizzagate and like Wayfair, like furniture, you know, not that, of course, child trafficking exists, but it's just like in this overly like uh fictionalized version of it but i've actually heard that just you know that stuff aside if you just watch it just as a movie it's actually a pretty solid like action thriller so then it would be kind of interesting to watch it like with that in mind and then also all the QAnon nonsense in mind yeah i don't know i would do that one too if you if, if, you, if you're up for it oh man that sounds real controversial yeah it's edgy <laughs> what if we go down the rabbit hole and i'm like Guys, guess what? We just watched Sound of Freedom, and turns out... Yeah, what if it indoctrinates you? Like, trust the plan. Hugh's coming back. Everything's a distraction. Yeah. We're all living in a psyop. <laughs> We're through the looking glass here, people. Oh, my God. Well, on that note, I don't know. I have nothing else for deja vu. Yeah, me neither. Uh, okay, so that wraps it up, guys. First episode of the new year. We're closing in. We said this before. We're closing in 100 episodes. We're doing frequency. We're doing sound of freedom. We're doing uh, maybe uh, the R.I.P.D. The, the rest in peace department yes. from 2013, starring Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds. All leading up to episode 100. That's it. There'll nothing. There'll be no uh, nothing that will happen after that. There'll be no monumental explosion or anything. It'll just be like another show. Yep. All right, guys. Well, thanks again uh, for li- listening. Um, and Keith, what do you always say? I'll speak slow so those of you with PhDs in the room can understand. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. Show's over. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.